Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be a great sports Monday here on the radio. We're the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Where do we go first? We've got high school football. Max Holloway went punch his face. Wahine volleyball, UH football. It's all there. First of all, uh, are there such things as moral victories for the University of Hawaii football team? We'll discuss that in a few minutes. I think that for fans, yeah. For the coaches and players, probably not. But I think as a fan, I mean, I mean, for a loss, there was a lot of positives in this game. Rainbow Wahine Volleyball upset a nationally ranked team over the weekend. They faltered a little bit against Oregon, but something tells me a lot of people are going to falter a little bit against Oregon. Yeah, Oregon was 9-0 in sets this weekend, so they obviously are the real deal. And San Diego struggled, but I thought Hawaii looked really good. Got to see him on Saturday, and so many players contributing. It wasn't just Amber IG. He came from Alexander, all-tournament team, and she had a great night as well. All right, and uh, let's see, what else? Um, high school football, what did we learn this weekend? Besides, we got a lot of blowouts again. Well, Campbell did a great job against Lele Hu. And just on the mainland, I didn't hear, see a lot of people talking about it. St. Louis did not win at Liberty, but they were competitive in that game. I forget the final score. I'll get it. But they were fairly close in that game. Other than that, yeah, no upset yet. Uh, I, I mean, I guess when league play really gets underway, we'll have more competitive and closer games. All right, back to Rainbow Warrior football over the weekend. And uh, you heard uh, uh, Bobby Curran talk about it. You heard Curran talk about it a few minutes ago. Uh, you know, last year at home, Hawaii loses 63-10 to to Vanderbilt. This year we go on the road, and that was my big worry. Hey, a road game's a road game. Hawaii hasn't been very successful lately on the road. But we uh, travel all the way to Nashville, uh, wait an extra 90 minutes for the game to start because of the weather delay, and then Hawaii ends up on a, a set up for a two-minute drive to win the game. One of the keys to victory we talked about all week was how good, how much improved is Braden Shager going to be? That was one of the things we needed besides great line play on both sides of the uh, ball from Hawaii. But is Braden Shager going to be better than a basically a 50% passer and dinking and dunking? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. Brother threw the Shager bomb to Stephen McBride, and he has completed first eight completions, uh, eight passes in the game. I was very impressed with Braden Shager. I thought he had a really good game. He was 10 of 11 to start. The numbers overall were really good, and it wasn't just the numbers. If you watched his performance, those passes looked a lot crisp 
but more crisp than last year. He was right on target. You mentioned the McBride touchdown, the long one on fourth down, let alone. Uh, I thought that oh, was yeah. a perfect play, a perfect play to call by Timmy. Trying to give him credit for that. But yeah, I thought Braden Shager looked composed. I could see his leadership directing people around in the field. He was taking control of the team. Yeah, he had the two INTs, of course. But overall, I was really satisfied with what Shager did. Numbers and just the eye test itself as well. Yeah, and <laughs> that you know what you know what what struck me the most is at some point in the first quarter when the line was holding the the, the offensive line. I don't know what they're going to grade out or what they graded out uh, in this game, but at times they it looked like it was Mark Tuiene and Jesse Sapolu and those guys blocking for Braden Shager. Nice clean pocket. You saw Shager standing up on his. On the balls of his feet, standing straight up, looking, looking, confidence, confidence, confidence. Boom! Throws a dart. I mean, he wasn't scrambling around. He wasn't getting happy feet. He was standing straight, super straight up in the pocket, looking like, I got all day. Other times, you saw a smushed-up pocket, and it looked uh, pretty bad, basically when they were blitzing. So if you watch the game again, and, well, I, I don't know, is, is it available again? It was is it on, on YouTube? last night on ESPNU. Is it on YouTube or something like that where you can actually go in your spare time? If you watch again, the time that the line had trouble was when, when they were rushing more than four. And, you know, you could say, well, that happens to a lot of people. But that really was. I mean, when they were rushing, when they were rushing four and even sometimes five, Hawaii's offensive line held their own. It started when they started blitzing six guys, you know, not blitzing six guys, but uh, you know, they come in with a blitz. You got six guys. Then they got a little overwhelmed. But I was very impressed with uh, Braden Shager, and partly because of our offensive line. It, it seems like more often than not, the offensive line did their job, and he wasn't scrambling. Again, I'm, I'm trying to think of him last year, not just a Vanderbilt game, but overall. And again, everything about his play and the offensive line in conjunction with him, I thought that he did a really good job. He got sacked three times, but it didn't seem like he was under pressure as much as last year, and as much as maybe I thought with an SEC team, Vanderbilt is not a power there, we know that, but still bigger, stronger, and they had a tough time. Hawaii gave them everything they could handle, and they made things really tough for that defense. And the fact that Hawaii had no quit in them. When it was 35-14, to 14, you could say, uh-oh, here we go again, maybe like last year where the game really slipped away. But it didn't. It went the other way. Hawaii came back and got those two touchdowns. And I really liked that, the fact that they came back on the road with everything they had to deal with, no excuses and everything, but they made it a game. And that might not have been the case against Vanderbilt last year, obviously. So I was real well, happy he with only, that. Well, he only – he only played like half the game against Valderbilt last year. Remember, the starting quarterback was Joey Yellen. Well, I'm Vanderbilt. talking about the whole game itself. No matter who was playing, I'm just talking about how oh, the okay. team game got away from them. Uh, gotcha. I, I just again the fact when they came back from 35-14, I really, really liked that as well as so many other aspects of the game. I think we got two really good receivers that two weeks ago. I mean, we heard of these guys, especially McBride, Stephen McBride, but we had a lot of talent coming back at that position. And those two guys, not only were they really good with their catches, but think about this: I don't really remember any, or if not many drops in this game. That's always been a problem for any team if you have too many of those. I don't really remember more than one or two, if that. I thought those receivers and everybody as a unit did a really good job holding on to the ball, and I thought that was key as well. You know, the um, going back to the interceptions, see, those are things that – those are – it wasn't like uh, he threw those interceptions because he wasn't any good. Those were mental errors, especially the first one in the corner of the end zone. A couple of times, 
you saw Shager throwing into double, triple coverage a couple of times. You know, but that one where he's looking at the he's um he's eyeballing I don't remember who the receiver was. Uh maybe it was the tight end, maybe it was Grayson. But I don't uh, on that interception, but he was he's just kind of eyeballing him the whole time. And then he he did a he did a um you know, a little fake. And then a guy in his face without even stepping into the ball, he kind of just trying to toss it over him. And he it was just a lame duck. It was right in the guy's hands. It, you know, we didn't have a chance there. Uh, towards the end, uh, that last interception at the end of the game, I think that Shaker just honestly didn't see the guy, and he'll learn that. They'll point that out in the film session. Uh, you know, they'll probably point that out on the plane on the way back um, with that. So I think they're just they're they're kind of mental things uh, because what we saw is probably the guy that Todd Graham saw when he was in high school and recruiting him to Hawaii years ago. Uh, Braden Shager is a stud. Yeah, I thought he had a really good game. And again, it was against a quality team. I don't know where Vanderbilt will rank with Hawaii's opponents for the next 12 games, but they, they were not a doormat, and especially on the road. But just, again, his composure, just even, again, the leadership qualities that I saw, just directing people. And I thought his passing just showed so much, uh, uh, the, the maybe from Dan Morrison coaching him in the offseason. I just thought he was a much well, better passer than I've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, Dan Morrison isn't – as much showing him how to pass, but showing him the uh, the run and shoot. You know where I started to see, uh, honestly, where the game, where we, it started to creep in maybe, where Vanderbilt was starting to look a, look a little nervous, was where Hawaii threw that uh, interception. They showed the coach on the sideline. We were watching it down at the, the Big City Diner. You know, and, and showing the coach on the sideline, kind of looking at the body language of the team, before we uh, Braden threw that interception, they were looking a little nervous. You'll remember it was twenty-one to fourteen at that point, and they were starting to. I mean, if we scored, th- that would be in a whole different ball game, I think. Now, um, when uh, Hawaii, you know, when they did, when they did score that, um, let's see, what did they? We, they they picked it off. And then was it the next possession, or was it the possession before they got the kick return for the touchdown? Uh, the kick return was their third touchdown, uh, their second touchdown of the game. So I'm not sure. Oh, okay, so yeah. it was right before that. Yeah, it was after we scored. Okay, we scored, gave it, be- and yeah. gave it back to them, and then they just went down and uh, scored again. Yes, but but you know what? They were starting to look a little nervous, and, and I think it was at that point where their coaches went, "Uh oh, what are we?" What, what do we got here? Because they didn't know what to expect, and they admitted this is the this new offense that uh, they've got. We don't know what to expect. Even Coach said it afterwards. Coach Lee said afterwards in the uh, the post game you know on field interview, he's like, yeah, they you know they we saw a lot of things we didn't expect. That was not the team that we faced last year. So I thought those were nice things. There were, and there was, I mean, it's definitely a few plays that if they, if you could take the back, I know a lot of the fans were texting and calling about that all weekend. I mean, you can't take away some of those plays. The 97-yard touchdown was legit. The one thing that I think is really so close to being a Hawaii big deal was the recovering the onside kick, and then the player's out of bounds. And he was barely out of bounds, but they recovered the onside kick. Well, out of bounds they means lo- out of bounds. <laughs> I know, I know, but it was so close to, re- I mean, recovered it, but his feet right. slid maybe because of the weather, and then, of course, 
course, the sequence when Solo Vipulu had that 21 or 23-yard run. I've seen both numbers. Fumbles on the one-yard line. I think Alex Perry picked it up, but he was down before he was in the end zone. So we thought we had a touchdown at first. Yeah, on the half-yard line, then a false start. That happened last year when you're in the you know within the 10, in the red zone. And the false start set him back before Shager's interception. They were so close to getting that TD. The, the red zone is the 20-yard line. I know. I'm just saying, but they were all, I, I know that. I just said that. The, but they were within the 10 <laughs> you last said year. 10. They were within you the said... 10 last year and the red zone overall where they kept backing okay. themselves up. All right. But, yeah, but, I mean, that's football. You know, if now if the uh, onside recovery was he recovered it and his foot was in bounds and it slipped out of bounds, then that's a recovery. His foot was out of bounds. He didn't have possession yeah. of the ball. But it was just that close to recovering the onside kick. I'm saying they were that they it was that close. And at first, you know, they got, signaled that Hawaii's ball. They've got uh, so we uh, Stephen Sy wrote an article in the Star Advertiser this morning uh, about having split practices because they only got one football field. They're starting construction or whatever they're doing to the grass practice field. So they have to split practices. So they'll have 90 minutes for the offense, 90 minutes for the defense, and 30 minutes for special teams. I say, you know what, spend an hour on special teams because I think we can all agree that that's probably the uh, the aspect of the uh, team that needs the most improvement. I think they were kind of fluke plays. I don't know if Matthew Shipley's going to, you know, have a bad punt like he did where it just went right to the line of scrimmage, which resulted in the 21-yard touchdown run for mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. The onside a, kick we talked about in the kickoff snap, return. High snap yeah. on that play. That's one of the reasons. It was a bad I, yeah. snap. I, I'm just I don't I don't think those plays are typical that of things that would happen all the time. I mean, you want to spend more time, sure, but yep. it's not like they have bad special team players or anything. Well, else well, nobody's bad. We're not saying anybody's bad. Bad special teams play when you get when you look at that kickoff return and you look at the over pursuit. The guy easily stepped by two guys and was gone. That's bad play. That's what you need to practice. When there's a high snap causing a, almost a blocked punt, I don't know if it was blocked or not, that's a bad play and bad execution. You need to practice. That's why you need to spend more time, I think, on special teams. Uh, you know, I'm you know tongue-in-cheek joking, spend an hour on it, but I'm just saying special teams uh, was put us in bad situations during this game. They did. And the guy McCown, who had that 97-yarder, we heard a lot about him during the week, uh, one of the better all-purpose players in the SEC. So, I mean, he, he, he showed it. He's that fast. He was that fast. But too bad Hawaii couldn't just, you know, get a shot at him, at least prevent that touchdown at that point, because that gave them some more momentum as well. Mm. All right. Uh, you can dial in or text 808-296-1420. Ryan Kalei Suji is going to join us in no, about 15, 20 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu, we'll go over the um, uh, the great upset victory over a nationally ranked team this weekend. And uh, we're taking your text. Uh, here's one. It says, best thing about the UH game was there was no quit. Love Chang's comment and not being satisfied. Uh, by being close. Yeah, I mean, you'd expect the coaches and players to feel like that. They're not looking at moral victories. Uh, but I, I think, again, the fact that they came back down 35-14 and showed no quit uh, against a team that looked like they had momentum and they were starting to pull away from Hawaii, so players getting cramped up, and still Hawaii came back like that. I think that showed a lot on their side. So I think, again, a lot of the fans, a lot of us, I mean, I never really felt that good after a loss, maybe as I felt with my team on Saturday. So that was good to have, even though it was the L. Uh, here's one. I saw the highlights. (laughs) 
UH kept it close. Lots of improvement. The special teams call I don't get is kicking off to the fastest guy in the SEC with almost all defenders lining up and coming down on one side of the field. Once he finds a seam, he cuts across the weak side, takes it to the house. Good question. Good point. And maybe that'll be something to ask Timmy Chang about on the Timmy Chang Show on Wednesday. His thoughts on that play. By the way, Timmy Chang Show is not at 6 o'clock. They changed uh, on the flight back. We had to change it. It'll be at 7 o'clock at Ruby Tuesday. So join us 7 o'clock. Uh, some people get there like at 5 to get a good seat and stuff like that. Um, you're going to be sitting for a while if you get there super early. So 7 o'clock, the Timmy Chang Show on Wednesday. Uh, our next texter, Brendan, says, What about the line of scrimmage call uh, call that didn't get called that should have been called? Team good statistically if Sager throws teeters sessions again. Anyway, uh, what about that? What I don't, he, uh, he what means is what A.J. Swan uh, threw cross the line of scrimmage oh, yeah. and at first they said an illegal pass but they went back and reviewed it and said his whole body didn't cross the line i didn't know right. that was the rule i thought that is the rule what, what, so if, obviously if that is toe, the rule and if his if his toe is across the line i mean if his toe is right behind the line it's a legal pass okay, that's well, a faster way to say it. okay i was trying to get to that i know i was helping you out no, I, was you getting, no, you I was going from point a to point b in, in a straight direction Not but anyway really. keep the uh, texts coming 808-296-1420 18 minutes after the hour and if you want to catch football uh check it out leeward bowl and 850 craft beer and whiskey bar in the pearl city shopping center you can catch uh games there nfl football and uh more they're showing uh they open up early on sundays at 6 a.m., showing all the NFL games. Now, for Monday and Thursday night football, you can enjoy happy hour poo-poo from 4 to 7. And for Hawaii football games, they'll have awesome menu specials, too. 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar is the home of the new video wall and the place for UH college and NFL football. <laughs> And some congratulations are in order uh, for University of Hawaii teams. The Mountain West Conference Freshman of the Week, congratulations, goes to Pofele Ashlock. Uh, redshirt freshman wide receiver from Euless, Texas, and Trinity High School. Hawaii's Ashlock had a game high, 127 yards, uh, uh, seven catches. His debut for Hawaii. He scored his first career touchdown on a three-yard reception in the fourth quarter with three catches on that scoring drive, including a 35-yard reception. Uh, later on in the fourth quarter, he got a 50-yard catch to set up a touchdown. He averaged 18.1 yards per catch for the evening. So congratulations to uh, Pofele Ashlock for Hawaii. Jack Browning, the uh, punter slash kicker for San Diego State, was a special teams player of the week. The defensive player of the week, San Diego State's Cody Moon. Who did San Diego State play again? Ohio, Brian Smith in Ohio. And the Offensive Player of the Week, Nick Nash from San Jose State. Uh, he was the receiver. He got uh, six catches, 89 yards, and three touchdowns 
in their loss to USC. I think Shager would have got it if he didn't have the two interceptions. Nick Nash used to be the quarterback. I think he transferred from Arkansas to San Jose State. I guess Shevin uh, replaced him in the starting line. So I guess he found a different position. When you go back to uh, Pofeli Ashlock, that touchdown in the fourth quarter, not only was it a nice catch, nice throw, but a nice spin move. It didn't look like when he caught the ball he was going to end up in the end zone. Mm. I, again, I just thought both receivers, not just both, but those special, especially the two new ones. Ashlock was a red shirt last year, but Ashlock and McBride really showed that those two guys are legit, and I think a lot of defenses are going to have a hard time with them this year, based on what we saw just on Saturday. You know, it's kind of you got to throw, you got to throw out, um, you got to throw out Alex Perry and that as well. It's hard to tell those guys apart. I know one is like I think what is a Ashlock is about six two. And um, uh, Perry is 6'5", is yeah. what they're listed at. But though it's hard because their numbers get scrunched up. So I guess you got to kind of remember that Pofele plays in the slot. But, it, but when he catches a ball, you're kind of always watching the ball, right? You know, you're not like, oh, that guy catching it came from the slot. But... You know, it's it's hard to tell those guys apart. It really is. I, I thought Perry, I mean, just Perry's size is one, one of the only ways, I guess, because he's definitely taller. Right. He's three inches taller, but for whatever reason for me, that's just a personal thing maybe. Uh, speaking of awards, well, congratulations to the uh, 2023 um, um, all-tournament team from the Hawaiian Airlines Rainbow Wahine Classic. And that was cool because you actually had, I saw part of it on TV, and Kanoa Leahy, you know, mentioned that, hey, this is a, uh, you know, a true championship game. A lot of times in these tournaments, you don't have a true championship game at the end with number, you know, the, the you know, two undefeated teams. So the all-tournament team looks like this. Layla Blackwell from San Diego is on it. Uh, Julia San Giacomo from Northwestern. Remember her, number 22? 6'5". She was hard to stop in the beginning of that match, but they, I don't know, that we somehow, you know, took advantage when she was in the back row. She was big. I definitely saw her. Some of those players really stood out, and she was one of them. Uh, Hannah Pukis from Oregon. Morgan Lewis from Oregon. Uh, also two from Hawaii. Amber and Kalen, both from the University of Hawaii, made the all-tournament team. And the most valuable player is, uh, gosh, she is a beast. Mimi Collier from Oregon. She was un- virtually unstoppable. Yeah, they, they showed that they were obviously a really good team worthy of their ranking, where San Diego, 32-1 and last year, Final Four team, they got swept this weekend. Uh, so I don't know if people thought that. I don't know where they'll drop from number 13 if they'll even be ranked. But I thought Hawaii did a great job. And Kaylin Alexander, again, on Saturday, what a performance. 15 killed, Amber at 18. But the power in her swing, and you could see Kate Lang setting different players, mainly. Uh, and it seemed like early early in the match, it was more Kaylin Alexander. Uh, she was getting the ball often and just did a great job. And the power in her swing, just incredible. It seemed just like Amber, really. Yeah. The uh, I mean... <laughs> Uh, Kaylin Alexander, she started off slow. If you remember against Northwestern, she was, uh, you know, she had a, a few errors. Uh, she got called for something I rarely, you rarely ever see. Is she actually got called for, I don't know, what is it, delay of game when she was serving? And uh, I thought she was going to take that ball and be the ref in the head. She was so upset. Something you don't often see. In volleyball, she's you know the first couple of sets it took her a little while, and then she came back in a strong way. But against um, 
against um, Northwestern, she ended up having 12 kills. Riley Wagner, 13. Amber had 14. I did not know that Kennedy, uh, that Kennedy Evans, friend of the show, uh, was going to be a starter, the transfer from Utah. But she looked uh, pretty good on defense in that game. But I think really the big story, and I believe Tanner Hayworth went to all three games, the big story really over the weekend is not only did we beat a nationally ranked team, and I'd be interested when Ryan Kalei Suji comes on in a few minutes to ask him, is that do they, do they look like the 13th best team? Like Oregon, they look like they could be a Final Four team. Uh, that's how awesome. I mean, even if you're a, even if you're like a, um, a casual fan, you can look at Oregon and go, "Wow, those guys, that's a machine." But um, the story, the storyline, really to me was Tolly uh, Hawkins. Uh, who is she? Where'd she come from? Oh my gosh, where was she? Uh, she's a 25-year-old freshman, a sergeant from the Israeli army, and she comes out to be not only, um, you know, one of the hardest hitters, or if not the hardest hitter on the team, but what an emotional spark plug. She's she's fun to watch. She didn't seem like a freshman. She's got size. She's got strength and power. Didn't seem to make any many mistakes on Saturday when I went. Yeah, she was the real deal, and we heard about it from Tiff uh, last week about her talent coming in, and great to have freshman players like that that'll hopefully be around for four years because she was the real deal. I can't wait to watch more of her. Yeah, going to be good fun. All right, weather-wise, today it's going to be mostly sunny, high near 90, low in the upper 80s, uh, trades up to about 15 miles per hour. Might get a little breezier uh, later on in the afternoon. We'll talk more volleyball and UH football. Coming up next, Ryan Kalei Suji here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, don't forget, we mentioned it earlier, the Timmy Chang Show, formerly called The Coach, usually at 6 p.m. because of the practice schedule this week and the short week, we are going to have to move that to 7 p.m. So the Timmy Chang Show will be on at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Now you can come on down and join us at Ruby Tuesday Moanalua. They've always got it. Rick's always got a great special going on. Do you know what the special would be down there, GD? Um, I should know this. Well, All right. Do some research okay. and come back and let us know. John Veneri, Coach Chang there for an hour talking UH football. You can ask questions if you want. You can join us in person or check it on the radio or our social media live. You can also catch the Encore performance, something new this year. The next day, it's going to be on uh, K-High, K-High, Channel 5. Check that out from ESPN Honolulu. An exciting weekend for University of Hawaii sports. Sports are back, soccer, football, and, of course, women's volleyball. They go 2-1 and one in the tournament. Not a bad way to start. We're going to get more in-depth in what took place and what's about to take place for this team. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, you see him on Spectrum Sports. Joining us, Ryan Clay Suji. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Unfortunately, it wasn't the sweep for Hawaii volleyball, as we said. What were your overall impressions of the 2-1 and one start this weekend? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a very optimistic start. There was a lot of question marks coming into the season about what this team would be able uh, to do and, and really the product that they're going to be putting forth on the floor with, a you know, some veteran returners as well as a mix of rookies. And so uh, I think going 2-1 and one is a great start. I mean, you look in stark contrast to where this team started last season, coming off the road in a tournament where they went 0-3, 
uh, and some quality wins against teams who are, are, are going to do well in their conferences. So I think overall this is a good and positive start for the team. San Diego coming into the tournament ranked 13th USD was. They were a Final Four team last year. They go 0-3 in the tournament. I'm not sure how many returning starters they have left, but are they the same team you expected overall, especially what you saw what they did against Hawaii losing in four? Yeah, you know, this is a very different team. And, you know, the coaching staff coming into this weekend tried to make that very clear to the media that was working that this is going to be a different-looking team. I think that's hard for any team coming off of the success that they had in that Cinderella run making it to the Final Four, to have those expectations placed on a team uh, that only had, you know, a few starters back from that, uh, you know, that run. Uh, I do think that this is a San Diego team that will continue to get better as the season progresses. I'm just not sure they're up to a number 13 ranking. But still, it's a, it's a good win for Hawaii and uh, will bode well for them in the future. You know, Hawaii, and we might be jumping ahead of ourselves, Ryan, but Hawaii was, you know, quote-unquote, also receiving votes I think it would have put it Hawaii if you ranked us number 33 in the country. We go 2-1. and one. We beat San Diego. Does Even though we understand they're not the team they used to be, I mean, they're just getting used to playing together with all these new people. But does Hawaii move up? Does Hawaii possibly make the top 25, or is it too early to be thinking that way? I, I think it's a little too early, especially with the amount of upsets that happened this weekend. There were a number of ranked teams that uh, lost to unranked teams, including the number one team in the country, Texas, losing to Long Beach State. Uh, you know, so th- I think there's going to be a lot of shifting. I just, I'm not sure that uh, these two wins will be enough to propel Hawaii into the top 25. Uh, because, you know, of course, had they beat Oregon, no doubt Hawaii would be uh, in there. But I think that they're going to have to do a little more work against uh, you know, some other teams that are also ranked and receiving votes like uh, the opponents this weekend in USC. You know, USC, unfortunately, had a rough week as well. They went 2-1, and one, um, you know, having lost to number 19 Houston and number 23 Rice. Uh, and so I'm not even sure USC coming into this weekend will be ranked. Uh, but another quality opponent from a quality conference that Hawaii can I- help to boost the resume. Yeah, and you hate to see you. You don't want to get an angry USC coming to play Hawaii. We're uh, talking with uh, Hawaii's volleyball guru Ryan Kalei Suji from Spectrum Sports here on ESPN Honolulu. Yeah, we talked about the all tournament team a few minutes ago, and I thought, especially on Saturday, Kaylin Alexander was fantastic. I mean, Amber Igedi obviously led the way again with her 18 kills, but Kaylin Alexander added 15 and just the power in her swing decision making. She looked really, really good all tournament long, obviously, but especially to me on Saturday. Yeah, I think one of the uh, one of the things that allowed her to do really well, especially on Saturday, and we talked to her after the match, was, uh, you know, she's now a six-rotation player, a lot being asked from her playing back row. Last year, uh, she was kind of regulated to just the front row. But on Saturday night, we actually saw Taylor Ikenaga, who was the libero, the starting libero for the last two seasons, come in for her in the back row. And Kaylin said that, uh, you know, being relieved of the passing kind of allowed her to just focus on the offense. And I think we really saw how dynamic she can be. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things that we lose when Caitlin Alexander comes out of the back row is the ability to attack from the back row, which she's also seen vast improvements on in the offseason. Really worked hard to make herself a six-rotation player. But I think, yeah, this is a player that we'll continue to watch throughout the season. And as she gets more uh, playing time, we'll continue to mature. With Talia Edmonds as the starting libero, was that a surprise? You know, I don't think it was a, a surprise to those who follow this program closely and who've been watching how well she's done in the offseason and, and really how much she's done uh, in the preseason just to train and, and get here. 
Uh, I think that she brings a, a little calm, stabilizing factor, a little more vocal leadership, if you will, with that being a senior. Uh, and I think, honestly, it'll be a battle between her and Ike Naga throughout the season. I don't think that this is a lock-in position where uh, she will start every match. I think we, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Taylor get a few matches back in there. A lot will depend on what happens in the practice gym. And we know from past experience and seeing what Taylor Ikenaga has been able to do the past two seasons, that she is more than capable of holding her own in that libero jersey. Yeah, and I like how a lot of times, sometimes, they're like you mentioned, um, they're both out there on the floor at the same time. Yeah, it'll help Hawaii's defense, uh, and it's just a matter of deciding what player, uh, you know, that, that defensive specialist will come in for to play, at, play back row only, uh, play defense, but... You know, I think one of the things that Hawaii really does have uh, is a solid group of, of passers that they can uh, really help to stabilize that first contact to be able to run an offense that uh, really needs to be a little more diverse as they head into the tougher parts of the season. Yeah, Ryan Kalei, Suji here with the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. We were talking earlier, and I was wondering out loud, like in on Saturday, um, on Saturday – I don't know if we maybe we had like one sub. I mean, it was, you know, we had like, I think, seven players, eight players play. And then all of a sudden against Oregon, that's when we're seeing uh, Paula Gershing. And that's when we're seeing some of the, uh, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the girl's name from Punahou. Jackie Matias, yeah. The Jackie Matias, mm-hmm. thank you. You've seen some of these guys come in. And was it because you're thinking, I don't know if it was because maybe, well, uh, the other players are struggling a little bit. Let's try somebody new. Was it, uh, you know what, this is just a good experience for these uh, players to play against such a good team? Why do we see so many substitutions in game three as opposed to earlier in the weekend? Well, I think Robin was just trying to look for a way to kind of change things up, especially, mm. um, you know, with those that double sub. You know, It really was more of a way to get a bigger block and provide more offense. So she did a, a double sub with a... In, when the setter, Kate Lang, was in the front row, she replaced her for a front row attacker and then uh, brought Matias in to run the offense. So I think it was more of an opportunity to have more attackers to hope for, provide some offensive lift. At one time, at point in time last night, Hawaii got pretty one-dimensional and pretty EV, uh, obvious of what they're doing. So I think she was just looking for another opportunity to get another hitter in, in the lineup. And, and this is something that we talked to her about. She's very confident in the progression that Matias has made in the setting role, uh, and, and we could see more of her as well as, you know, some other combinations with some front row attackers as we move through the season. Ryan, your thoughts also. Setter Kate Lang, I thought she had a great tournament as well. Seems like she always makes the right call, the right decision. And on Saturday, one of four players to get double-digit digs. I wonder how rare that would be to have four players with 10 or more. Yeah, I think Kate is one of those players that continues to uh, progress each season. I mean, this is now her junior season. She's been sort of that starter uh, since, you know, her freshman year. And so the more she gets out there, the more she has those opportunities to get better. I I think she was a little nervous in that first set of the first game. We saw, um, you know, some frustration by Robin. And being a setter under Robin Amo is not easy. I mean, you know, this is a player who is, uh, and a coach who's played in three Olympics, ran the USA offense. And so there's a lot being asked of any setter that comes into this program having to learn under uh, the wings and the watchful eye of Robin Amo. But I think Kate Lang handles it well, handles the pressure well, uh, and knows how to uh, really find her hitters the most. And especially just finding that connection with Amber Igedi. At times, it's almost like she has to force a set in the middle because the passer, the first contact may not be there. 
but Kate tries to find a way to get Amber the ball as much as possible. It's always fun watching new players emerge, and one of the players, among many that we've heard about, is Tali Hakas from Israel, 5'11 freshman, and I think she got a lot of people's attention this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, she really is fearless. I mean, just from the, her attitude, you know, as, as someone who has served in the Israeli army, I think that she's really using those world experience to bring it out on the court, uh, and, and you just got to love the energy she brings. Uh, as, especially being, you know, a 21-year-old freshman and being uh, able to be a, already a leader on the team. You, you know, I see her during the timeouts, during the huddles. I mean, she is an active and vocal member uh, of this team and uh, really doing all she can to help fire up your team. You often don't see that in freshmen. They, they kind of kind of watch and take the lead from others. But, you know, Hawkins is someone who I think is dynamic, and we could also see potentially moving on the left side. She may need a little more oh. reps in the passing uh, at times, she was a target for some of the teams. And so I think once she settles down and she gets a little bit more comfortable, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some combinations. Uh, you know, we, Robin has even talked about maybe even moving Kaylin Alexander to the opposite position and Hawkins to the left. So I think that there are a lot of pieces there, and we'll continue to see some of these changes in the lineup as we move through the non-conference season. An exciting weekend. Didn't end the way we wanted, but still 2-1, and one, not too bad. Great to have uh, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball back. Ryan, great to have you back on the show as well. Hopefully we'll do it again throughout the season. Thanks again. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. All right. right on. Thank you. All right. Ryan Su- uh, Kalei Suji from Spectrum Sports there here with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Anytime you talk to Tiff Wells or Ryan, you feel just a little bit, a little bit volleyball, a little bit smarter when it comes to volleyball. Great to have. Uh, those guys at our disposal for Animal Kingdom here. Um, hey, folks, Thursday and Saturday, an angry USC squad coming to the stand. You can get your tickets at E-Ticket Hawaii. Let's get out there Thursday and Saturday. Of course, nothing Friday because the UH Stanford game is on Friday. But uh, that's going to be a – that should be a good one, too. I'm really interested about, you know, Tali Hawkes and what Ryan was saying about maybe moving her and moving them around. This is um this is really interesting. A really interesting team to me. A lot of talent and I mean you know we talked to Tiff about this last week that maybe in the beginning of the season you start you experiment a little bit more. You want to win, you want right. to help, you know, for your strength of schedule and get some of these early season victories, but before conference play starts, I think it's like that in basketball as well. You kind of experiment a little bit more, maybe a deeper bench at certain times. Now Amber Igeni, she's an all-American. Of course, when she graduates, you're going to miss her terribly. But you're going to, you know, you've got Kaylin Alexander, a sophomore, Jackie Matias, who we got a glimpse of, a freshman, Tali Hawkins, a freshman. This is a well-balanced team. You got your seniors, uh, Riley Wagner. Is she a senior? She's a yes. senior finally. Yes. Yes. So you got Riley Wagner and Amber. But man, you got some good young players too. That's that's the way to build the team. It's seven forty-seven with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Just a reminder again: the Timmy Chang Show, formerly called the Coach is coming up Ruby Tuesday, Wednesday, special time this week because of the um, short uh, week for the team. This week only 7 p.m., so 7 to 8 p.m. We'll be right back with more on ESPN Honolulu. All right, back with the Sports Animals, 808-296-1420. That's the, uh, you can text in or call in. Um, you heard the traffic report a few minutes ago. University of Hawaii. <laughs> University of Hawaii is back in session. And Jason Oki 
from Enterprise Rent-A-Car is going to join us momentarily uh, while you guys are getting your texts in. Uh, once again, 808-296-1420. Tanner, let me know when you get Jason on. All right, uh, Jason, uh, welcome. How are you? Did you get stuck in traffic today by any chance? Good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm actually on the way into the office right now. All right. Now, Jason is with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and you've heard their messages on the radio station for years now about commute with Enterprise. If you don't know what that is, Jason's here to tell us about it. Yeah, thanks for asking. So Commute with Enterprise is our van pool division um, through Enterprise Rent-A-Car. We are encouraging groups of four up to 15 people to share the commute, jump in a van, um, and do their part in helping reducing traffic congestion. All right. And so what are some of the benefits by uh, signing up? You know, we offer a turnkey solution with our van pool program. Um, We offer collision and comprehensive and liability coverage. We offer, we take care of all the maintenance costs. Uh, 24-7 roadside assistance, and our van pool participants can use the vehicle for personal use after work on the weekends and so forth. That's what's cool is you see uh, vans. I see people driving them around, you know, just a you know, family or maybe a guy, and it's like, you know, you see the Enterprise uh, logo on the side there. It's very cool. So you guys, I didn't know that. You take care of the maintenance. I mean, I just switched in the last couple of months between oil changes and rear differential something I had to change to four tires on two cars, that runs up a lot of money. You really save a lot of money by commuting with Enterprise. Yeah, yes, you do. I mean, you know, we partner up with um, our Goodyear's and Firestones to take care of our oil changes and tire rotations. But, you know, if anything goes wrong with the van um, while they have it, they may take longer than the day. We also provide loaner vehicles, so we want to make sure that our vans kind of keep on the road. Um, and, yes, there's significant savings in maintenance costs for somebody who uses a van pool. Can you give us some examples of people taking advantage of this program? Yeah, i got a wide variety of people using them. i got federal, military um, workers. i got construction companies using them. i got some farms there on the big island that's using them, um, not to mention the service industry. So how does one get started? Very easy. Um, you know, to get started, you can visit our website commute with enterprise.com or they can give me a call at 808-543-1517 i can help you and your company um form van pool groups wow okay so you kind of you would be a matchmaker it's like hey we got three or four people right in your neighborhood they want to get involved and you got you do all the work then yes we do yes we do like i said we offer a turnkey program make it easy for everybody wow there you go folks save money Save the environment. Commute with enterprise. Jason Oki, thank you very much. We'll uh, continue to get the message out. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. All right. So uh, there you go. Uh, enterprise Rent-A-Car. Also, if you need a truck, uh, they've got a great truck rental system uh, at Enterprise where uh, we like to say, "Hold yeah, get on over to Enterprise. We'll be back with our top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, mics are hot. Sports animals coming in hot on this uh, Aloha Monday on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Thank you to Jason Oki. By the way, Enterprise Rent-A-Car has been um, doing a great job 
donating a lot of transportation to the folks on Maui. Uh, they gave like $250,000 to the Red Cross. So great, great partners in our community here. We say mahalo, uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car. All right, uh, top stories we're following today. Uh, there's so many. So, okay, the UH football and UH volleyball, we've been doing that for the past hour. But, of course, you know, Hawaii has a moral victory, which uh, is okay for us as fans. Uh, hopefully the team is fired up uh, for the football team. The Rainbow Wahine uh, lose in the championship game of the Hawaiian Airlines. I was going to say Diamond Head Classic. The Hawaiian Airlines Rainbow Wahine Invitational Classic Shootout, whatever it was called. Hawaiian Airlines Rainbow Wahine Classic. <laughs> okay. Max Holloway. That was a punch heard around the world. Max Holloway beats a Korean zombie early morning on Saturday. And I don't know if you got a chance to see that punch, but, man, that was that that, that punch rattled the building. I actually watched it live. I had, I had fallen asleep and woke up around 4.30 or whatever it was, and I remembered he was fighting, so I put it on. The fight was just starting, like a couple of seconds into the first round. So I was glad to see it, and, yeah, Max looked great. I, I mean, that last sequence, though, it looked like the Korean zombie hit him as well, but not nearly hitting him as much as Max got him, and he right. really stung him. As Max said in the post-game, uh, uh, post-game post-match interview, Hey, we were both thrown at the same time. Mine just landed before his did. Yeah. Because you could see his arm coming forward as he was like, basically he was sleeping in the air on the way down. It was, whoo! If uh, violence makes you uh, a little queasy, uh, don't watch that punch. (laughs) Don't watch that fight. But way to go, Max Holloway. Punch his face, Max! All right, uh, high school football, we had a um, um, a lot of mismatches. A couple of unbeaten's facing each other this weekend. Yeah, I, I, again, it's still r- rather early in the season, but it was interesting to see some of the schools. And I mean, I was interested in the in the uh, Campbell Lehua game just to see what Campbell has been like offensively all season long. That again, we talked about him last week with Kalani Takase. How this is a team that everybody's talking about as much as far as the open division, but yep. boy, that offense is unbelievable. They just put up yeah. points. It seems like almost every drive. Great offensive performances by, there's a lot of special quarterbacks. Uh, Villanueva from Iolani. Uh, to, uh, the Coppola quarterback, his name escapes right now. I'm going to get it right now. But um, the Coppola quarterback, Liatama Amisone. Five touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns included. And this guy puts in for eight touchdowns against Waipahu. I guess that transfer portal didn't help Waipahu in this game. No. Because, um, man, uh, let's see. It was a, a couple of final score, 63 to 28. Uh, why and I, uh, you know, they get beat up by Kamehameha. Question is now, how good is Kamehameha? A lot of still unanswered questions early in the season, but a lot of good action as well. All right, uh, folks, we can take your texts and calls. Just text them in if you want, 808 808- Two nine six fourteen twenty. This texter Gary says probably the best I've felt about a loss. Going into the game, I was just hoping that the team showed progress from where they were last season. If the eventual goal is also to show progress within the season, this is a great starting point. 
I, I agree. I, again, it seemed like most of the fans that we heard from on Saturday with the fans' voice were feeling exactly the same way. And not often you're going to feel that good after a loss. And we're not. nobody was happy with that. But the fact that this team was so competitive, there were so many positives out of this game that you can see a season that is going to be a lot more successful than last year. Uh, for a week zero game, the first game of the season, I thought it really said a lot about this team. I, I thought the play calling was good. So many things you can look at and say, wow, Hawaii's really got a good thing going. Yeah, there were mistakes, but I think as a lot of people are saying, they're kind of correctable, and uh, you know, special teams were a part of it. But all in all, yeah. it was a pretty decent game as far as the loss is concerned. So that's something to take away that we usually don't say. Yeah, and we still have uh, Oregon on the road. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna be tough. New Mexico State they lost this weekend, didn't they? They lost to UMass at home. Wow. And we know UMass is usually uh, in the bottom 10 early and often over the years. So that and UMass was celebrating like crazy. Like that was a big win for them. But for New Mexico State, maybe the, maybe they're not quite as uh, – well, again, it's only I, one game, but they were pretty good last year. That was not a good start for them. Yeah, and they, I mean, pretty good. They were a bowl team last year, and they demolished Hawaii. But, um, you know, maybe it was a bunch of seniors that graduated. Mm. Who knows? But uh, next up for Hawaii, of course, is Stanford. Now we have one um, we have one less day to prepare, so to speak. I saw in Stephen Sy writing about it in the newspaper this morning that you know they knew that this was going to be a short week. So Coach Timmy is actually is thinking, okay, let's let's start preparing a little bit early. So they started some preparation a little bit last week already for Stanford, and you can find out more about that on. Uh, the Timmy Chang Show, formerly called The Coach. Once again, reminder, Wednesday, this week it's going to be at 7 o'clock at Ruby Tuesday instead of the usual 6 o'clock because their practice schedule is a little um, kapakahi this uh, um, this week. So now we've got, quote-unquote, one last day to prepare. But this is our second game of the season, and this is Stanford's first game of the season. You're supposed to have a great deal, supposed to, have a great deal of improvement every year at between the first and second game. Let's hope that's the case. Yeah, and there's so many different ways of looking at that. Stanford now has tape on Hawaii. Hawaii does not have tape on Stanford. Remember, they have a new coach as well. So ah. there'll be changes there. I mean, I don't know which is more of an advantage. I mean, so Stanford knows what Hawaii is going to do. They know some of the personnel. But I thought Hawaii, at least maybe getting any of the rust, if there is such a thing, got that out of the way. So maybe that'll be uh, helpful for them. It is a home game, hopefully sold out. A lot of great things going on this week. We'll talk about that during the week as well. But uh, I, I I don't know what to make out of Stanford. They weren't that good the last year or two. But with the no, new they coach, were bad. Yeah, so with the new coach, <laughs> you think it's going to be some growing pains there. Let's hope it starts on Friday night. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope it's we're Max Holloway and they're the Korean zombie. Let's hope for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. Congratulations once again to the uh, Mountain West Freshman of the Week, Pofele Ashlock. Uh, seven catches, 127 yards. Do you have two touchdowns? How many touchdowns? I think he There's had so many. one. McBride had two. Uh, all right. Way to go. Anyway, um, great performances by Stephen McBride, the transfer from Kansas, and uh, Braden Shager. What can we say, man? I. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see, and maybe I don't know that, you know, because I don't know enough about what he's been told, but a couple of times I'd like to have seen him actually take off a little bit, take off with his feet. That's not his strength, obviously, but still, I mean, you want to keep the well, defense honest a little bit. 
Well, right, but he's not—he's he's not shoving Cordero. No. But what I'm getting at is, hey, you know what? Uh, nobody's open. If it, if nobody's really open, and I know that's not a run and shoot thing, but uh, maybe you take off a little. You know, maybe maybe you, you run. You, you know, there's four yards for the taking there. You know, that's what I wish he would have done uh, before that first interception. You remember, it was first and goal at whatever it was, the five yard line, and Hawaii went for it all at once. I would have maybe, not I would say I would have, I mean, but you have to wonder, would it make sense to just kind of throw Landon Sims in there to get a couple of, you know, a couple of carries and, and score? Who knows? Yeah, and again, Landon Sims, a name we really haven't mentioned so far. He looked like he was really good as well. Remember, Najee bryant Lalay is out with the injury, and Landon Sims playing, you know, being the second running back. And he and Tylen Hines, neither guy got a ton of uh, rushes or enough carries. And again, with Tylen Hines, he got some cramps, so maybe that's why he was only held to nine carries. I know fans were wondering about that. Again, I, I like what Landon Sims did. I like that one-two punch because he, he's got that strength up the middle, and he showed it on a couple of those runs. Uh, he had a 22-yard run on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of looking over some um, some defensive stats. Isaiah Tufunga had a couple of sacks. Yeah. Eight, eight tackles overall. How's Andrew Choi with seven tackles? Dude, He's a defensive lineman. He's not a linebacker. Uh, seven tackles. Too. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realize that he was a senior already. But um, uh, Manu Ma had uh, five tackles. Logan Taylor was relatively quiet yeah. for Logan Taylor, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he had five, I believe, as well. But you didn't hear his name as much. And Tufanga had a great game, I thought. The sacks, as you mentioned, just all around the ball. It was great to see him healthy. And with he and Logan Taylor, I mean, I think that those guys are obviously going to be as good as you want in that linebacker position. So that was kind of good to see. How about McKee P.I.? McKee P.I. was a pretty good player in that game, too. Who? McKee P.I. Okay. You don't know who that is? No. He, he wears number seven? Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sorry. I was I was going back to how they were now, they were pronouncing his name oh, on God, the air. Mickey Mickey Pay, <laughs> Mickey Pay is who, who you might know him <laughs> I as. I figured you meant that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this was like an all-time. This is like a Brett Musburger to the Little League World Series. Here at Ewa Biok. McKee P.I., great player for Hawaii. Oh, why do you make such an easy name so hard? Come on, do your homework. It's literally written right on the, the media notes that they hand you on a uh, pronunciation of Hawaiian players, and you come out with McKee P.I. <laughs> That's why those guys, I guess, aren't doing Alabama games in the SEC and the SEC Network. They get that game. You know, another player that we didn't mention, I thought it was a kind of a cool – uh, switch when they mixed it up a little bit, where they put Dalen Morris, the running quarterback out of Navy, yeah. and he ran that touchdown. And I, what I was thinking and well, they tried that, it twice. Yeah, they tried yeah, him twice. Right. The other one got called back. Right? right? Does Van, is Vanderbilt aware that it's? A, I mean, I know what you know. You, you know, you got to know who's subbing in and out. But were they even aware of him? Were they even prepared for him at all? Uh, you know, he's not number two on the depth chart. But I thought that was a great way to mix it up with putting him there. Obviously, Solo Vipulu, who we heard might be in the mix. I'm not sure if I expected him to catch a pass. Now, one thing about Solo is we get to him real fast because he had that fumble. Don't you think that schools like Stanford or anybody else now, they know, okay, this guy's going to be part of their offense, and maybe he's got to do a better job. That's one thing I think they need to practice this week to make sure he's got better ball control because other teams are going to look at what he did. Really? 
<laughs> of course. He's a lineman. He's just learning. But, yeah. But but do you think, okay, so now you think teams watch film, right? It's all about oh, execution. That's really? all about execution. So what were you getting at? They know about Dalen well, Morris, so no, now they're going to well, be Well, they're going to be prepared for him when he comes in, what he can off, what he can add to the team. And for Solo Vipulu. Not, they won't be prepared if Hawaii executes or they use him in a different way. Well, they're going to I think they would know as soon as he comes in the game. It's almost like, remember when Cole oh, McDonald sure. used to come in the game right. for, for Kevin? Yeah. Same thing. So now you know this guy comes in running play. Yeah. Yeah, that's but that's nothing. I mean, that's nothing new. Oh, it probably is I new. Mean, who who do you think Vanderbilt knew anything about this guy? When the NFL started doing the wildcat quarterback thing, you knew that that guy was going to run for you know he was going to be a runner. So the wildcat still worked for a long time until it didn't. After a while, teams figured out how to stop it. So they know that Dalen Morris is going to get the ball. Can he still? Can the blockers still block? I mean, it's up to the line to open up those holes. I don't know if Vanderbilt knew that he was going to be running the ball when he no, came No, no, I understand That's that. I no, I, I get that. But I'm saying is teams watching film it doesn't mean, oh, let's not bring in Dalen Morris anymore because everybody no, knows he's going to run the ball. But the teams will be aware now. Like I said, Stanford, now they have some tape sure. on Hawaii, so they'll be aware of things that maybe Vanderbilt wasn't. Right. Uh, again, but again, at least against Stanford, I mean – I don't know what kind of offense. and uh, Do we have a, a coach or anybody from Stanford We're, coming uh, up this week? I am working on it. All right. Uh, so uh, are they like, hi, mucka mucka? Are they like, oh, we're it's in the It's only pack. been two days hey, so hey, far. Hey, hey, hey. We're in the pack, too. We don't do interviews to small markets. You know are they what? like that? Of all the teams I've contacted from last year and early on this year, Vanderbilt, two years in a row, doesn't even respond. They're the only school to not even respond. Other schools said he's busy or the coach will come on. They right. don't even respond. Come on. you're. We, get, we know you're in the SEC, but you don't even have an end zone. You don't even, you know, come on. What do you mean they don't have an end zone? Well, they don't really have an end. They don't have seats in the end zone. There's a lot oh. of construction going on there. You're not one of oh, the powers in the SEC. But come on, Vanderbilt. Don't act like <laughs> you that. Don't have an, you don't have an end zone. There's no way to score, coach. There's no end zone. You got cranes holding up the scoreboard. Come on. <laughs> now, we're the last to uh, criticize anybody's stadium. Stop it. It's 16 minutes after. Time to check your traffic here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, coming up tomorrow... At Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack. Do you know what day it is? It's Taco Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday. Not Taco Tuesday, but Taco Tuesday. Uh, whether you want some catfish, brisket, or shrimp. Or just a little mix and match. Uh, in the, They tuck everything in the tortilla. You're going to love it. Uh, get it with some pork nachos. Ooh, sounds so good. Stop by Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack Tuesdays for Taco Tuesday. Visit DixieGrill.com. Sounds like thunder, gotta head for the high ground. White water coming, no fooling around. B-Man in the sun. B-Man, grab your bag and run. B-Man, another swell's coming your way. John Veneri joining us in a second. I tell you what, keep listening, because after we're done talking with John on the radio here, we're going to give away two tickets to Hawaii football against Stanford on Friday. That's right. UH football tickets. We're giving them away here on ESPN Honolulu. 
John Veneri now uh, call, uh, back from calling the game in Nashville. Good morning, John. Good morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to see any of the part of Nashville besides the football game? Did you get to go into some of those uh, bars where they got the great, uh, all this great uh, live entertainment? Actually, on Friday night, we did. There was a bunch of us, both from the uh, the, um, the the staff, and, well, not the football coaches, but some of the support staff, mm-hmm. and then some of my family. We all went out, and they closed down Broadway right in the middle of Nashville downtown, and all the bars were open. Every room had a band. It was just fabulous. Wow. Fun yeah, town. Really, really cool. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, it was also a good opportunity for me to get back to Nashville for the first time in 17 years. This is It's where my mom was buried. Oh, wow. um, my mom lived there for a number of years. A cousin of mine lives there now uh, for the last 12 years. So, you know, I got an opportunity to see family, and it was pretty cool. Oh, that is that is super, super cool. John- yeah, I kind of had this date uh, marked on my calendar for a while. It was the first time I was able to return to see my mom's grave in 17 years. So it was pretty cool. Wow. Right Let's talk about the game, and I'll start with Braden Chager. I thought when you look at the numbers, yeah. really good numbers, but even just watching him, listening to you and Mark in the broadcast, great job. I just thought he looked so much more composed, confident, and accurate than he did in the past. I also thought there were not many. I can't really remember any drop passes, something that's going to happen with almost every quarterback, but I thought, again, the offense seemed to be clicking more often than not. I think Braden Chager showed a lot. Well, it was really nice to see how confident he was and then how accurate he was. I love the way you put that because during practice, it almost seemed like he was making decisions a little bit late and then winging the ball to, the, to the, his receivers, and that caused them to have a hard football go through their hands. So he was much more touch pass. I mean, his long his shager bombs were awesome down the yeah. field. I mean, his touch was just so nice, right over the shoulder. It wasn't one. It was there weren't passes where the receivers had to slow down and and uh, you know and wait for it and have to go up over a defender. They were out in front, utilizing at bright speed and Pofelli's speed. It was really nice to see how nice they clicked. Um, you know, I'm going to try to get rid of that word "nice." Also, I'm going to try to make sure that I know Pofelli's the guy catching it from the slot and not Alex Perry. Very hard to distinguish those two. Uh, between 86 and 88 but it was just a real it was really good to see how well things came together there were a few hiccups obviously he had two interceptions um but uh you know one coming really late in the game the other one in the end zone it's but uh, i really think and he only got sacked three times so part of that was because he was looking downfield and trying to go through his progressions but i thought that he did a great job yeah, you know. And by the way, you'll have you won't be as high up at uh, you know <laughs> uh, this coming week as you were at Vanderbilt. It'll be easier to read those numbers, especially when they all scrunch up too. You know, it's hard. Well, I mean, I'm not making excuses, but they took our booth. First of all, there's a lot of construction going on. I know you guys were talking about the scoreboard being held up by cranes, but um, the air conditions weren't working in some of the rooms in the press box. They were all sweating. I was actually kind of thankful we were upstairs, although the humidity was 90%. So if you can hear my voice now, part of the reason why I'm talking like this is because of the change of climate. But we were on the roof, and it was high up there. I mean, it's with the cameramen for the games. We're so high. We're the only ones up there with the cameramen. So it was really, really – it's a great view, but not the best for calling a game. (laughs) You had your own suite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A luxury well, we box with no the, roof. We had to walk through the rain to get downstairs to go pick up our stat sheets. It was just there's no there's no uh, overhead, and, you know. So I had my 
I had my wife at one point running back and forth, giving me stats and stuff. And, you know, she was also trying to help us spot with the, with the binoculars because it took that just to see what we were seeing. But what we did see was very promising. Right on. You know, the, they had that delay, and it was, um, you know, good job to the uh, countdown to kickoff crew with keeping that show going uh, for yeah. extra 90 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. But did, did, how did that affect, did it affect Hawaii at all? Did it make, is it too hard to tell? I'm wondering. I mean, if it affected Hawaii, then it also affected Vanderbilt. Um, right. The biggest part for Hawaii was that they were set up in a large circus tent in the parking lot just outside the stadium. And so when the lightning started to hit, they had to take them all to the Marriott, which was literally walking distance. It was literally 100 yards away. Right. Uh, and, in fact, I think that's where Stephen Sy uh, was, was staying. So he was able to walk to the game himself. But they took everybody out. And so the delay, you know, it, it, there's a mindset to knowing that, that your kickoff's coming up in a half an hour or 20 minutes or 10 minutes, you know, and, and getting to go out there and warm up. But so in, in a way, yeah, I think it affects everybody. Just t- speaking as a former player, I think it does affect a player's mindset to a certain degree, but that quickly changes when you know you have to now settle back down, cool down, wait for a little while. They don't know how long they got to wait, but there's always enough time to get warmed up and, and heated up again before you know getting out there and running for 60 minutes. All right, when you look back at this game now, and um, you know what sta- what's the best thing you saw and the worst thing you saw during this game for Hawaii? I thought special teams was a bit of a downfall uh, for Hawaii. You know, the, a zero netted yard punt, uh, a 97-yard return uh, for a touchdown. Of course, you don't want to pinpoint any one particular thing, but I thought that special teams wasn't particularly great. Uh, there was a punt return that they allowed for uh, a number of yards as well. So there were a couple of, of breakdowns on the special team, and everybody knows if you if you could be successful on special teams, that is a, that that only helps you. But if you're if you're deficient in special teams of a certain degree, then you're going to have problems, uh, whether it be field position. I mean, their first score came off of a zero netted punt. They only had to go 32 yards for their first touchdown. That's right. really hard to start a football game. Yeah, Hawaii second Hawaii second series was fantastic, and that gave a bright spot. But you're already down seven or six nothing at that point, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you take away any one of those particular plays, uh, uh, you know, ha- being down on the one-yard line and having a five-yard penalty, uh, Grayson Morgan jumping offside, and then, you know, eventually throwing a pick in the end zone off of one yard and not being able to put it in the end zone from one yard out, uh, that really hurts. So just a number of different plays, um, uh, you know, you could pinpoint, take away any one of those, and Hawaii wins the football game. Right. Uh, I thought Hawaii's defense did fantastic. Isaiah Tufanga, I thought uh, uh, Choi did a great job, you know, and, and to me, Landon Sims ran hard, but Hawaii does need to get that running game going a little bit better. 18 carries for 60 yards between the two guys, um, that's, not, that's not great. Huh. Yeah, that's a, nobody's brought that up. That's a good point. John Veneri joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. So what was the best thing? For me, it was Braden Shager's performance. What, what, what is one of, uh, a really good thing that stands out to you? Well, I mean, I thought Braden, I, I mean, we talked about this when, when we opened up. I thought Braden was very accurate, and he was very confident. I thought he, he led the offense, you know, really well. He, um, I also really liked the way the receivers looked because they now have that confidence of finding an open spot. You know, there were a few times during fall camp, I'm like, oh, man, they're not on the same page. But 
it really did look like everybody was on the same page in this game. And, you know, when you have a, when you have a slot back, I thought Pofeli Ashlock was fantastic. 127 yards and a touchdown. And then Stephen McBride's speed. I mean, he was beating guys by two, three yards. This is, these are SEC corners. You know, yeah. these are guys that are four-star, five-star athletes that are playing at, at Vanderbilt. That gives me a lot of uh, confidence in them, and it makes me feel a lot, uh, you know, more. I'm just thinking that the receivers looked really good. Mixed right you have so, there's so many different guys. Grayson Morgan catching it over the middle with his hands. Um, so, you know, even Solo Vipulu, even though he, he fumbled, well, I wasn't expecting him to, to catch a pass. I was expecting him maybe to run for the two or three yards up the middle or something, but mm-hmm. he also provided some really nice blocks on Landon Sims' uh, carry. I oh, think. yeah. Um, uh-huh. but, I, but I'm really happy for Pofeli Ashlock. In this offense, you're going to have you know the Chad Owens, the Devon Besses, the Ryan Grice Mullins. In this offense, you're going to have a successful slot back, and I thought Pofeli really turned it up. So you got Ashlock and McBride, two new receivers. No, Ashlock was on the team. He redshirted last year. What does that say yeah. about some of the returning guys? I know uh, Jonah Pinoke, I guess, was hurt. Uh, but guys like Nick Seneca, we didn't really see much. Chucky Hine, some of the guys from last year. I wonder how much they're going to be playing or getting into the game when those two guys, again, Ashlock McBride, showed what they did. Well, I got to I got to take it back. I just mentioned names: Devon Bass, Ryan Grice, Mullins. I got to take it back to that. Those years, I mean, there weren't many other names that were thrown into that mix either. You you, right. you get a starting lineup that are running to perfection, that are running, you know, they're on the same page with your quarterback. What is the purpose of re- replacing them other than a cramp or a breather or you know a particular play? Uh, we did see Koali Nishigawa get in the game, but uh, he didn't he didn't catch a pass. So, I mean, Senegal did catch one. Uh, even Tyler Hines caught a pass. But, I mean, when you got, when you got guys like Chucky Hines, I mean, everybody's so talented. And if they're running the, rights, the, the, the routes the right way, you know, Pofele and Grayson Morgan, I know he's a tight end, but he plays in the slot back position. Pofele's a slot. And then McBride and Perry on the outside, I mean, I thought they did their job. 350-something yards passing from Braden Shaker. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a successful game. That is a successful game. Hey, John, somebody texted in a question. I think it's a good one. Your evaluation on Cam Stone for his first game with UH. Uh, you know, he suffered from camp cramps, but I thought Cam Stone played outstanding. He didn't call his name very much because I think they were going away from him a little bit. Um, but he's also their return guy. But once he started to get cramps, they had to put Tyler Hines back there. I think Cam Stone is a fabulous addition to the secondary, and I think he reads defenses. I mean, uh, excuse me, he reads offenses really well. And, uh, you know, they did catch a couple of passes, but nobody they didn't have anybody over 100 yards, and they've got some really good receivers. I mean, I know Will Shepard is a tough guy to stop, but he was never – Cam Stone was playing safety. Not a, he wasn't over him. So, uh, you know, it was, it was Verdell Edwards that was having to cover uh, Will Shepard. That is a really good receiver. He was held to 68 yards, but he did have two touchdowns. And so he's going to be one of the best receivers. He's definitely going to play on Sunday, but he's going to be – He's probably one of the best receivers Hawaii will see all year long. All right. Uh, before we let you go. Don't did great. Awesome. Before we let you go, uh, we have a new uh, uh, time for this week's Timmy Chang show, formerly called The Coach, at Ruby yep. Tuesday. And folks can watch it the next day on KHI TV, Channel 1005. What time is the replay going to be on TV? It'll be at 6 o'clock on Thursday on K-High, so usually it'll mirror a day later uh, the radio show. 
Of course, you can catch it on our streaming sites on Wednesday, and you can also attend live at Ruby Tuesday Moanalua. I think it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to spend some time going over the previous game and then looking ahead. We'll also interview a coach or a player uh, with Mark Veneri. And, uh, you know, we'll give away some stuff, obviously, with you, Chris, during the breaks. But the show will, uh, will be on um, normally Wednesdays at 6 this week. Because of the short week, they had to move it up one day because of their night practice. Usually on Thursday, they usually go late. Uh, but that Thursday night now moves to Wednesday night because of the Friday game. So Coach asked <laughs> if we could move it back an hour so that he could make it. And, and uh, we're, we're really appreciative that everybody's able to accommodate. Yeah, so 7 o'clock, uh, Wednesday, Ruby, Tuesday, Hawaii. Thank you, John. We'll talk Thanks, soon. John. Appreciate it, you guys. All right, man. Uh, John Venary, of course, play-by-play voice of Rainbow Warrior football here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, okay, so we mentioned uh, the Timmy Chang show, and um, that is, uh, yeah, Once we, I'm just looking at my notes of things to mention here. So, yeah, that is moved. Uh, we are good to go. Get a weather check and be right back. Uh, a lot of Hawaii guys have gotten cut already, even though the official cut date for the NFL is tomorrow, right, Gary? Yes, tomorrow. So it's tomorrow, but Hawaii guys, uh, a lot of guys with you from the University of Hawaii or Hawaii ties have been cut. And uh, so we'll give you the bad news. That and your texts coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Get to your text again. Thank you guys for texting in at 808-296-1420. Tons and tons of University of Hawaii football and volleyball talk we're not able to get to today. We'll continue this uh, throughout the week here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, now, tomorrow we're going to hear some bad news. In the NFL, it's uh, the cut-down day tomorrow. They're getting their rosters down to, oh, we forgot to give away the football tickets. Sorry about that. Uh, if you're caller number three right now at 808-296-1420, we got a pair of tickets for you for the Stanford game. So call in and win right now, 808-296-1420. Tanner, let us know when you have a winner. Now, the cut down, final cut-down day to get down to 53 is tomorrow. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And so a lot of guys are being let go now. Unfortunately... Word around the country is that uh, Marcus Mariota may be one of those notable names who are cut. But so far, uh, there's different trackers on different sites. Uh, Sporting News has one. The CBS.com has a pretty good one. But a lot of Hawaii guys have given their walking papers, huh? Yeah, early today you see the news. And Micah Vanterpool, who just signed a three-year deal with New England just a few weeks ago, he wasn't drafted, came in, they signed him. He gets cut by New England. Justice right. Tavai as well right. by New but England that's, gets cut. Yeah, and that's, not again, like we were saying, because you sign a two- or three-year deal, it's it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also getting cut, and I, I didn't realize Jordan Murray, who came in at the tight end last year, I think from Missouri State, he was with Indianapolis. He was cut today. Wayne Talapapa, seems like he was in college forever. He was with Seattle in training camp. Uh, he gets waived by them. And the Washington Commanders waived two wide receivers, Marcus Kemp, Zion Bowen. Now, Zion I knew would be a long shot. Marcus Kemp kind of went over there, I thought, because Eric Bieniemy now the the offensive coordinator in Washington 
Washington, but it didn't work out. Maybe maybe some of these guys will be re-signed to the practice squad once they clear waivers. The other player besides Zion and Marcus, Jordan Ta'amu with Minnesota, didn't play on Saturday. Jaron Hall, I think, played the whole game for Minnesota. And uh, Jordan Ta'amu just brought in a little over a week ago his wave. Not sure why they brought him in, if it was just to be maybe a scout team player or maybe somebody they can see as a practice squad player. We'll know more about that in a couple yeah. of days. And they just want to take a look at him in practice is what they did. That happens sometimes. They may not, hey, you know what, we're not going to keep this other guy. Uh, you know what, this guy Tomu's on our list. Bring him in, see if, if he shows anything. Uh, also, uh, you missed uh, Kana'i Maunga, uh, was an inside linebacker for the Raiders via Y&I via USC. Uh, he was cut as well. Yeah, so the list gets bigger. Well, it didn't get it got bigger from early this morning, and we saw a lot of names as we've already mentioned. Hopefully, that's it. Uh, but the Mar- the Marcus Mariota one, I think, is going to be interesting because I don't think people really thought that he would be cut. He was brought in to be the backup to Jalen Hurd. Didn't have a great preseason. Didn't have an awful preseason, but didn't play yeah. a lot. And they've got other guys that maybe are a little cheaper that maybe right. they will. Uh, well, and I, the he, I mean, you're still throwing inter, uh, interceptions and that kind of stuff. Uh, we do have a congratulations in order. Who just won our tickets? You got that there, Gary? Uh, let me get the name here. It is Jay uh, Kamibayashi from IAEA. All who right. Won the tickets. All right. Good job. In a couple of minutes, uh, we'll give away Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. They're going to face a fired-up USC team come Thursday. We want to send you and a friend. We'll get to that in a second here on ESPN Honolulu. Justice Tavai uh, cut from the New England Patriots. I thought that he might have had an outside chance. I didn't know what the other what players on the team looked like. Where, you know where he was on the depth chart. Who else he was competing against? But you know he did good in college. But you know it took Jelani a while to hang. You know really to hook up with the team and be an actual player on the field as opposed to not playing a lot after initially getting drafted high by Detroit and getting weighed by them. An actual player on the field, well, I mean, you mean as, a starter? Opposed, as opposed to not playing at all and just sitting on the bench, which is what right. Jelani well, did he's a, a lot starter. with Detroit. Well, he was now, a starter. That's my point. Oh, oh, he didn't sorry. start off like that, but and he got waved by Detroit after right. getting drafted high, but now he found his niche, so to speak, with New and, England. So. And part of the problem is that, I mean, he does go from, to New England to follow Matt Patricia, uh, but part of the problem was he was just in a horrible situation uh, when he was in Detroit. Some notable names, uh, Trace McSorley, the uh, standout quarterback for the standout quarterback for Penn State back in the day, he got cut by the Patriots. And uh, there was a couple of other quarterbacks, guys that were, you know, you, you, you're, you're thinking maybe you're not going to make the team, maybe going to make the team. What was the Jets guy? Is it Chris Strievler? Uh, he got a lot of playing time in the um, in the, uh, uh, in the the preseason. Uh, but the Jets cut him. Um, where did he go? Oh, South Dakota. Uh, got a chance. I just remember that name from seeing him on TV. Greedy Williams. Yeah, yeah. A lot of former Alex Leatherwood got cut. Yeah. Greedy Williams. These are first round draft choices not long ago. Greedy Williams cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. Ian Book, the quarterback, cut by Philadelphia. Now, is that good news for Marcus, maybe, that they cut Ian Book? It, right now it is, you would think it is, unless they plan on re-signing him to the practice squad, but it would indicate that he's not the number two or three there. Uh, long snapper Rex Sunahara, uh, his dad was the uh, Reed, Kilo. Reed Sunahara. Right. 
uh, big volleyball star from the Big Island. Yeah. But Rex Sunihara, long snapper, he was let go by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, yeah, I think he was cut by them a year or so ago as well, if I'm not mistaken. He'd been bouncing around the NFL a little bit over his last two or three years. Yeah, so what it means is these guys are going to – these guys are getting cut. Some of them will be, if you've seen Hard Knocks, they will be asked back on the practice squad. You know, I'm not sure – you know, the, the running back situation, I believe, in Seattle is very crowded. So it's going to be tough for Wayne Taula Papa to hang on, former Punahou BYU and Virginia running back, but uh, we hope for the best for our Hawaii guys. Definitely. Now there's still some guys out there. The final cutdown is tomorrow. Uh, I hope uh, Braden Fehoko makes the Pittsburgh Steelers. I haven't heard. The only thing I see is from his mom on Facebook. I haven't heard much about you know the Steelers. I haven't been really paying attention that closely uh, to preseason football this year. But uh, you know, hopefully the. Hawaii guys still out there then are Il Manning for the San Francisco 49ers um, and Braden Fehoko. Now, he's a vet. I mean, he's not – this isn't like he's, uh, you know, trying to make a team. But I would think that they the, he's – the Steelers need help on the interior defensive line. And I would think that uh, that they're going to keep him. Hopefully. Hopefully we won't see any more names. That's what we, we hope. We don't want to see any familiar names when we see the cut list between now and tomorrow. I want to bring up one other situation I thought was really interesting. And most people know I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm not a Jerry Jones fan. And okay. was a little bit of a Will Greer fan in college. But when they got Trey Lance on Friday in that trade for a fourth-round draft pick, obviously there had to be an odd guy out in Dallas. Will Greer is the odd guy out. So what Jerry Jones insisted on was for the preseason finale against the Raiders on Saturday that Will Greer played the entire game to showcase himself, which I thought was a really great gesture by Jerry Jones and Dallas. And Will Greer, again, played all four quarters, 29 of 35, two touchdowns, 305 yards. I don't know if he's going to get signed by anybody else, but I thought that was really something you don't see often. And for Dallas to do that, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they handled that. You know, I just saw something, too, here. Is the Indianapolis Colts have cut 26 guys. How many more do they have to cut tomorrow? Probably not that many. That's a lot of guys. Probably but, not. Uh, once again, congratulations, Jay Kami Biashi, uh, Biashi from IAEA. He won the football tickets. Hey, you want to go to volleyball? We got them for you. Uh, be caller number two at 808-296-1420 to see USC and the Rainbow Wahine Thursday night at the stand. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu with our winner. Oh, what a great Monday. Going 100 miles per hour this morning. Oh, congratulations, Tupu from Mililani. Is that our guy, Tupu? Tupu, congratulations. He won the Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. We got more volleyball and UH football tickets to give away all week long here. I'm sure we'll have some in the afternoon as well. Uh, let me uh, actually uh, check here. I, I want to see uh, when the next opportunity for folks to win uh, tickets is yes it's going to be today at 12 noon with Kanoa Leahy on Let's Talk Sports and then they've got um, uh, football tickets to give away in the afternoon as well all right good job okay 
what are we thinking here? Final thoughts, at least for today, over the weekend. Uh, to me, one thing, I know, again, after a loss, a lot of times you'll have upset fans, angry fans, depressed fans. I usually fall in those categories, but a lot of people feeling pretty good about this. I was just happy to have football back, and for UH sports, as a UH fan, to have soccer, volleyball three times, and football. It was a great feeling. I'm looking for more of the same uh, coming up this week. Volleyball Thursday and Saturday wrapped around that football game. And for football, the way they played on Saturday at Vanderbilt. One thing I think we'll have, I mean, I'm pretty sure every game is going to be sold out anyway. Most of it with season ticket holders, but hopefully a good crowd showing up. Uh, they got a lot of great events going on that we'll touch upon later on this week. And uh, I'd I love to see them upset Stanford, who comes in as I think is a four and a half point favorite. We don't know a lot about them because of the new coaching staff and you know several new players and they're being, at, being their first game of the year. But if Hawaii can beat a Pac-12 team, again, even if Vanderbilt isn't a powerful SEC team. That would have meant a lot to the program. Beating a Pac-12 team or a Pac-4 team, whatever they're going to be called, and maybe by Friday Stanford will be a member of the ACC from what we're hearing, but that would really go a long way for Hawaii, and I think it's a perfect opponent after what we saw last week for a team that's going through transition themselves. I wonder if, say, Hawaii uh, beats Stanford. It will be an upset. I believe Stanford's favored by 7.5. No, 4.5, like I that. just said. Four and a half. I'm sorry, Gary. I was reading a text. So four and a half. Wow, it's, it was seven and a half. It was. That's very interesting. That's a big move. Anyway, so four and a half, it would still be an upset. But if Hawaii beats Stanford, does the ACC go, oh, no, you guys junk. We don't like you. No, I mean, one thing, uh, and I heard Lisa Horn on with Bobby earlier today. I mean, Stanford, remember, they usually win the Director's Cup, the Sears Cup, whatever it's been called. They might not be great in football right now, but overall they bring a lot. Now, they also yeah. bring a long-distance trip uh, for every ACC school, and that's something right. that's crazy. But, I mean, I think you but look at a lot of things when you yeah. look at Vanderbilt. I and mean, they I don't look care. at Stanford. Right, and they don't care. They don't care about the the, the presidents don't care because they're going to join, and they're not going to share the revenue or share very little bit of the revenue, yeah. at least to start with. All right, let's go to the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. Clyde texted in, says, Aloha, sports animals. I was puzzled by the punt returners for UH. Why would they not field the punt, then linger close to the ball and risk getting pushed into the ball? They did it more than once. I saw that on one. Was I don't know if it was Cam Stone, I guess, uh, when there was a punt that went into the end zone. They're staying close to the ball. Remember, if it touches Cam Stone's legs, it's a live ball. When it hits the ground, get out of there. It touches any part That's of another it. thing on special teams. I didn't realize it was done more than once. But yeah, you got to get out of there because you touch it, that's an immediate touchdown for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I was one more, almost wonder if he was trying to be like a decoy, maybe tricking Vanderbilt, trying to trick them into thinking he was going to field it. But it looked like he was ready to let it go in the no. end zone. Still, there, I think he was a little. There were too four close. guys surrounding him. You got you, you don't you don't nobody says, hey, when you go out there, trick them into letting you field it. Now it may hit you and cause a turnover, but let's go out there and trick them. Well, but I mean, I, I'm sure that his coach told him as soon as he got off the field, dude, get away from the ball. Well, yeah, he shouldn't be around the ball, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you two seriously should consider a weekly stand-up comedy show live on stage. You crack me up laughing more often than the late show monologues. Thank you, Polly, for the text. Um, yeah, Gary's a real hoot, isn't that he? That says a lot about the late show monologues these days, though, too. <laughs> Oh, we got to go already, man. All right. Uh, 
Coming up, uh, we got more football t- uh, tickets to give away with uh, Kanoa Leahy and Rich Miano on Let's Talk Sports. In the afternoon, off the bench, a couple of foot pairs of football tickets and volleyball tickets, too. Uh, we will see you tomorrow morning uh, following the Bobby Curran Show at 6 o'clock. We'll see you at 7 o'clock. And I don't have my timer set, so I'm guessing it's time to end the show right now. Bye.